0: Hi, I'm John.
1: And I'm Cecilia.
0: Welcome to Crazy Cat Paranormal Speaks.
1: Hey, Crazy Cats. Welcome to another edition of Crazy Cat Paranormal Speaks. We have an extra special guest on tonight, Hollywood psychic medium and good witch. She appears regularly on the Travel Channel's Ghost Adventures with that whole crew, with the Woe Crew, as I like to call them. I've read her book. Her book is great. I've seen her videos. She is great. She's always willing to help people. Let, let's give a, a warm welcome to Patty Negri. Patty, thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show.
2: You are so welcome. Thank you for having me on.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're,
2: we're kind thank of you.
1: excited. I'm, I'm a little fangirling right now, so yay.
2: <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> it's okay. That's allowed. I did that with Josh Gates. <laughs> when on the on the Ghost Adventures, the mm-hmm. Halloween special, the four-hour live one. I was with all these amazing people. Gary Galka was there and Joshua P. Ward and Justin and Michael and Marty and Chris Fleming. And I love them all and I respect them all, but I totally fangirled out about Josh Gates.
1: <laughs> John's sitting here, but I'm going to tell you anyway, if, if I ever got Billy on the show... Uh, Yeah, I would fangirl all over him. (laughs) (laughs) He's very sweet. Him and John are a lot alike. so
2: It's it's not not
1: cheating if they look like your husband, right? (laughs) Exactly,
0: exactly. I'm flattered.
1: (laughs) I love you, dear. So I was reading your book, Mm -hmm. and what stood out to me is you talked about doing your first seance really early on, like around the age seven or so. Yeah, and about your early experiences. So, what brought you to that point at the age of seven to say, "Hey, I'm going to do a séance"?
2: I think I was just obsessed with the dead. I'm not in a scary way, or a dark way, or a morbid way at all. I really did. I, when I was three or four, I just, I just knew that those imaginary friends that little kids have were not all imaginary. They were real beings and real spirits, and I could get real information and pass it on to my parents and. The the person in the closet, the thing under the bed that kids have were all legit. And it it wasn't that scary. There was better ones and lesser ones. And I just always wanted to talk to, like, specific dead people, not that I knew who. So I, I really can't remember seven or eight. So it was probably somewhere in between. I just I decided I really had to do a seance. I didn't even know what it was, I didn't know how to do it. But I just kind of always just kind of in the blood, like that intuition naturally knew how to do things. Went in my little suburban hallway with no windows and no lights and stuffed towels under the doors to make it pitch black with my best friend Sherry Jones. And then I I did realize I I didn't know any dead people. So I'm like, Okay, Marilyn Monroe, John Kennedy, any famous person that a you know, a seven or eight year old would have heard of and I came up with my first chant and I came up with my first raising of the veil, not knowing what I was doing, but doing it. And my little windowless, lightless hallway filled with orbs and lights and flying through the room. We went out screaming and laughing, and but inside I was jumping up and down going, "I, this is real, this is real, and this is something we can control, that's something that we can open and close and so, I've spent my life being a seeker and learning religion, philosophy, cosmologies, occult sciences, regular science, metaphysics, and take it all down to the through line, which is energy in whatever belief system you're using.
1: so at at a young age, sitting in the closet with your best friend, you kind of winged it,
2: is what you're saying? I completely winged it. I But I, 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 I was just that kind of kid. I was weirdly shy, considering anybody who knows me now. I played by myself a lot. But even on the witchy side of things, I literally would find myself in the backyard making weird concoctions of plants and herbs and just knowing things, knowing if I pick some rosemary and put it in my my mom's wallet that she would have more money. Just knew it it's just like how animals have this intuition to know how to do things i think it's literally in the blood i think we all used to have it to an extent to differing differing extents but you know that's kind of got taught out of us in modern society that's why in my book it's all about getting back a little bit to nature a little bit to consciousness what did your parents think (laughs) well luckily um well, I do think they thought I had a bit of a good imagination, but my mom totally believed it. She goes, she goes uh, yeah, Grandma saw dead people, too. She always knew when somebody was going to die. Her mom always visited her at the end of the bed, so it was a real matter-of-fact Um and luck. I think luckily, I wasn't raised with any specific belief system for anybody to tell me this is evil or this is the devil or there's something bad. Right. Absolutely not. So it was just, it was always embraced and accepted.
1: So your grandmother had abilities. You obviously do.
2: Mm-hmm. My grandmother, yeah. I think I've got it on on both sides, my my um, I, my mom was super intuitive, too. She just didn't use it as such. She used it every day in her life, but she never sat around and going, I'm going to talk to dead people who do tarot cards. But she was one of the most intuitive people I know. But she was, she's was she got kind of the English-Irish roots that came from. And my dad, my grandfather was from Turkey, so I think we've got these Sephardic gypsy on the one side and that Celtic-y whatever on the other side and 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 my blood in the middle just all mixed up into, like, some this little power, power beam.
1: <laughs> you you kind of didn't have a choice based on your genetics.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we actually do have a choice, because I believe anybody could shut it down who doesn't like it. But why? You're given this great gift. Mm-hmm. And again, I do think people are very born with sight, with the gift, with better intuition than we use. But in our modern times, in our non-mystical American society or Western society, even our, our religion isn't so mystical or spiritual. We've It's, this is fact and this is this, or that's your imagination. I, I think we need to get back to that a little, because kids are amazing until yeah. it gets taught out of them.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree with you 100%. Uh, I think kids are naturally naturally gifted, right? All children yep. seem to be naturally gifted. I remember our youngest, when she was tiny, tiny, tiny toddler, twoish, twoish, three-ish, when she used to see mm-hmm. the man at the foot of her bed. Right. She used to see a spirit in our old house. Uh, she'd probably kill me yeah. for saying that publicly on the show.
2: But... <laughs> we won't tell.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I won't tell her, but I'm sure I'll get a phone call. <laughs> but as she got older, she kind of shied away from that. But I've noticed that, it, it kind of—I don't want to say gets beaten out of kids, but kids kind of get patted on the head and they're told, you know, imaginary friend, great creativity. You know, here's church. You
2: know? Right, exactly. So they forgot to teach it out of me. So yay. That's great. Though <laughs> so I, of course, had my moments. Like I think throughout through teen years, and it's like I don't want—I don't want to—I—I don't—I want to I don't wanna, I, I don't, I wanna be normal. I want to be like everybody else. I remember wearing hats all the time. Just to keep to keep in my body to keep from like astral traveling, so you know what. I've, I've been, then after that, I learned to control it. But you, we have those moments when we gotta shut it down.
1: Well, what do you do to to keep yourself grounded?
2: Well, I'm very elemental in all my work. Mm-hmm. Um, grounding is grounding. I I do get in nature a lot. I go. I I live in the middle of Los Angeles. I live in the middle of Hollywood, the Hollywood Hills, right under the Hollywood sign. But I go to Lake Hollywood, which is luckily right in my neighborhood. It's a three and a half mile. It's a man made reservoir, but it's just covered with pine trees and and it's it's like you're walking in nature you are we i walk with deer like six seven deer every day and there's oh, awesome. fish in the ri- reservoir now because they don't we don't drink it anymore and wildlife and bunnies and coyotes that's my sanity that's my grounding to do that walk literally six days a week
0: i've been in your neck of the woods once and uh yeah it's a beautiful spot
2: so yeah i've
1: never been there
2: i'm really lucky i i live um I live in a little 1920s, one of the first movie enclave in Hollywood under the sign. My house is a little bungalow built in 20. I have a huge backyard. I literally live two minutes from Hollywood and Vine, the center of everything, the Walk <laughs> of Fame, and deer play in my backyard. It's just crazy. Best of all worlds.
1: See, it, I grew up in New York City. I grew up in New York. And we uh, have we have lots of parks, and, and Central Park being the big one, and we've got we've got little... Rivers and reservoirs and things like that all over the place in downstate New York. But I am guilty because you say Hollywood, California, and I think concrete and cement. And I was <laughs> one, I was really wondering. I mean, how does how does a a witch with your abilities keep herself grounded with all that crazy going on? And and you're telling me that. You know, tell me basically, don't be so prejudiced about it. We have, we yeah, have nature here. Not too. at all.
2: Again, I live right by the Walk of Fame, but I also back up to Griffith Park, which is acres and it's everything between Hollywood. It's I don't know how many acres, hundreds of acres, thousands of acres of just wild land. Behind me is the three and a half mile Hollywood Reservoir, and actually, I there's a ener, energetically it, it, kind of near the Hollywood sign. In Griffith Park, there's there's these energy vortexes. Um, actually, they're up and down the whole hills, going from Los Feliz and Hollywood down through Beverly Hills down all the way to Malibu. And there are these – I see them. Most people feel them. It's, they're not marked, these energy vortexes. Every time I've gone there, I've and it brings in the spiritual or the romantic. I've seen, you know, nuns praying or lovers kissing It's not marked, but it draws people in. And I think these vortexes that are right in Hollywood are why Hollywood is exactly where it is. It's not 30 miles to the left in Long Beach or 30 miles into the valley. It's halfway between Burbank and Hollywood, the entertainment capital. And it's this vibrational level that drew in the actors, the musicians, the writers, and the spiritual, my neighborhood. Yes, I'm the best clubs and the best restaurants, but I'm also surrounded by a monastery, a nunnery, theosophy, the, the major of uh, self-realization, of Vedanta center. The spiritual are just here just as much church as religion of every belief, Scientology even. We're just surrounded.
0: It makes sense. It's something attracted all those types to that area.
2: Yep, and it's the more right brain, which is either the spiritual brain or the creative brain. It's that intuitive side of ourselves.
1: So how does somebody that is so Mm -hmm. nature-bound, elemental almost, um, how do you end up in a a place like Hollywood?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I was born in Los Angeles, not Hollywood, but more Long Beach area, just a typical little suburban house. And I, again, I guess I tapped into that energy vibe. I totally tapped into that energy. And just I, the closer I got to Hollywood, the more at home I felt. And I, I live, I really, I live in a windy hill, hilly area. I literally have a third-acre backyard. I'm not so concrete. There is no concrete around me. I live in a little wooden 1920s house with double-pane windows and we've made high ceilings. And again, a huge hillside backyard.
1: That that actually sounds like heaven.
2: And I get to be five minutes from the best restaurants and clubs that go twenty four seven. Yeah,
0: can't beat that.
2: <laughs> no, and we've got again, it, L.A. Everything they say about it. I can get to the beach in a half an hour. I can get uh, I can get to the mountains in less than an hour. You can get to the snow. You can get to the desert. You can get to the mountains. Everything they say is true.
1: Yeah. Is it true you wanted to be an actress?
2: Um, yes, I started out, well, I was a dancer and a model when I was really young, and then that, really young, like 15, I used to work for Teen Magazine and uh, for Kodak, and then from that, the natural progression, you start doing industrial films and teen education films, and from that, went into. I tried other things always, I, I went into nursing for a while, tried a few marriages, um, <laughs> and but found yourself tap dancing on a bedpan, you've made a wrong turn, and I did go into acting, Um, and pretty decent success at what I did the small time, but at at the ripe old age of 30, when I figured I was too old for Hollywood, I started a production company, which I still have, you know, 20 plus years going, um, where I produced big corporate song and dance extravaganza, teaching again, very corporate, Mattel, IBM, Microsoft, Mm -hmm. teaching things, but I also had this psychic, medium, witchy side, but I kept it very separate, because whether you're a you know, whether I, I was a Lava Lava Girl, which I was on Fantasy Island, or all those, the actress things, they can't think I'm some weird person who talks to dead people and, you know, dances around bonfires, or the corporate side of things that, oh my gosh, they really can't think I'm this person, so I kept it separate. Um, but in 2008, I think when the big corporate crash came, and corporate entertainment became a dirty word, and reality TV was picking up. And I have big improv sketch background. I was a regular at the comedy store forever. Wow. And somebody asked me to do a reality show, um, and I'm like, nope, I don't do that. They wanted me to do a seance. I go, nope, people don't know that side of me, but we know how good you are at seance. I'm like, no. Nah. And they said, it's a show called Mobile Home Disaster, and it's on CMT, country music television. And I thought for a second, I go, Well, nobody's going to watch that. (laughs) Nobody's going to watch a show called Mobile Home Disaster on CMT. Sure, I'll come to a seance. And I fell in love with the reality genre. It picked up my acting. Not that I was acting, because I got to be me. I didn't have to memorize things. (laughs) I got to be the best my message. They follow you around with three cameras. You don't have to memorize things. It's the best of all my worlds. It incorporated what I know about thinking fast from improv. I got to be the real Patty Legit. I'm not faking anything. And I thought it was great, but it's like, no, no, still, I'm in the closet with this weird, magical side of myself. Um, I remember when it aired, and the very next day, I got a call from one of my big corporate clients, some oh. banking something. And she's like, I, I saw you on TV last night. And I'm like, oh, God, I am never going to work for whatever <laughs> again. And she's like, I didn't know you were into the paranormal. And goes, I, I, I love the paranormal. And we had our best conversation ever, and it didn't hurt them relationship with that very corporate entity performing and doing shows for them but again that that markets continue to get harder and harder and with between i guess my ability and my knowledge of hollywood how to to do it i just became the person to call for every dang show if they needed a psychic or they needed a medium or they needed a witch and it's it's i like it better i'm still I've always been about empowering people or motivating people, you know, whether it's teaching HR prop via song and dance extravaganza to a corporate company or even now, better yet, my magical world, my metaphysical world. I work a lot with Awesomeness TV and, like, teens and stuff, and I love it. Just turning on a light bulb, letting people see how powerful we are, you know, whether it's on a ghost hunt with Zach Bagans or, you know, flipping out or cooking for Gordon Ramsay. It's like we are amazing beings. You know, I still act a tiny bit, not much. I don't got that trying to do it. I've, but a couple of years ago, I did a film where I got to play Jill Biden, and that was pretty cool. <laughs> I did a, a vampire film last year or the year before. I got to play a, a cult keep, shopkeeper. So I'm not out there doing it, but just because I've been around so long and, and it, it's fun. But this is my passion. This is my passion. Do you still do the corporate... HR things? I still have my company and I do it on occasion. I think I did one gig last year. I specialize in interactive production theater, which now they call immersive theater, but I yeah, have. We, we literally. Murder mysteries when those were big, the immersive theater, game shows to teach certain things. I've done scavenger hunts across the Greek islands, photo safaris through Paris. And, you know, whether it's celebrities or big corporate things, sca- you know, it's it's fun. I have it, It's very challenging. I like to be challenged. You know, whether it's teaching ethics to oilmen, which I've had to do. I guess oil. <laughs> men live up to their reputation of being less than ethical and they have required learning just like nurses have required doc- nursing they have required ethics training and and the oil men would never go to the class or sleep through it so they hired my you know comedic based big broad production company to so i created ethics jeopardy for these oil men oh,
1: that sounds like fun. but they
2: literally handed me like a book you know, 400 pages long go, okay, teach this in one hour, you know, via a game show. It's like, oh my God,
1: challenge. That sounds corporate. That sounds, (laughs) definitely sounds corporate. Yeah. So do you do private sessions? I know you you do house cleansings and things like that. Uh, Like, do do people call you up and say, hey, help, we need, we need your help?
2: Yep. That's what. That's kind of what my main gig is. Uh, up until COVID, I see I literally for local people I see them in my dining room. I come come to my little 1920s house and we sit there. And whether it's mediumship or psychic or very much coaching wise, I do it here. I've also worked with people around the world via Zoom and Skype and Facebook Video Messenger and WhatsApp, and that makes it so easy. Now I've been doing everything uh, on internet. But I've just started doing the clearings again because the spirit world is just as chaotic and messed up mm-hmm. as our 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 realm right now. Yeah. So that's picking up that. So, yeah, I work one-on-one with people. I travel a lot. I speak a lot. I like to teach a lot, whether we're doing, I know, a Paracon or just doing, you know, weekends in Dallas or whatever.
1: You just mentioned something I've heard a lot in the last couple of months about the spirit world being somewhat chaotic.
2: Yeah, it is.
1: I'm hearing from people there's been an uptick in, in like sightings and experiences. And do, do you see that happening around you?
2: Yeah, it's completely. What, it's a couple of things. Uh, again, our two worlds are connected. And again, the spirit world, there's a lot of things that weren't ghosts, but ghosts are part of it, things that were human. And as we slowly move into this age of Aquarius, as they call it, It's not our parents' parents' world. It's not black and white, right and wrong, solid ground. It's getting this liquid movement thing. So we're all getting chaotic. Old patterns aren't working. And we're attached to the spirit world. So all those that are not talking angelic realm or fairy realm or elemental realm, but those ghost realms, they're just as confused as we are. Therefore, everything else, because we're changing dimensions. We're moving... I'm not a big dimensional new agey girl at all, but we're literally moving from our third dimension into the fifth dimension. So every level is like a little earthquake, and I think it's exactly the same on the spirit level. And so, yeah, things are happening. Things are people going. uh, Active houses are getting more active. More and more people as the veil thins as we move into the age, more and more paranormal unexplainable things. People are going to get more and more psychic if they're aware of it and they allow it.
1: If they allow it, I like how you say that. I like because I agree with you that everybody's got got yep. some set of ability if they're willing to own up to it. And
2: yeah, it's it, and it's our choice. We we we're born with free will. We, whoever gave it to us, we have free will. So you know, fate is there to an extent. Destiny is there to an extent. But I think free will trumps them in most things. If you want, if you have this gift that you see dead people or know when the phone's going to ring, and you want to shut it down, you can.
1: Or and if you to want duck? to
2: use it for good, you can. If you want to use it for bad, you can. You know, there might be consequences to any of them, but it's our choice.
1: What What kind of advice would you offer to somebody who, who thinks that maybe they want to learn more about
2: it? Um, go for it. Allow it. I, I think somebody who wants to learn more about it, the one thing I say, to get into this world, have a good sense of right and wrong. Have a good moral code. Not morality. Morality is a man-made judgment system, but a moral code, knowing right and wrong and good from evil and good from dark, you know, integrity, virtue, ethics. Because if you don't have that, you could actually get into trouble. If you're not going to tell the difference of a bad spirit and a good spirit, or if you're going to get into magic or or craft or spellcraft like I do, you have to know what is okay to do and not okay naturally, not by what somebody tells you or who's going to forgive you or not forgive you or just by what a book says. If you don't have it inside of you, I would stay away from it. But most of us do have that inside from that moral code, integrity. And then it's a beautiful gift. Do it. Allow this other whole world to open up
1: Now you mentioned moral code and knowing right from wrong how much does intention play in using abilities or or spell crafting or you know anything along those lines ouija board seances
2: It's everything. Thank you. (laughs) Everything. Intention is everything. What is your intention in doing that? You could do a... Say you're doing a, a positive spell work, you could do it completely wrong. If your intention is right or your intention is good, probably going to work if your intention is some darker if you think again you're going to get that intention if you're doing like a house clearing if i hand somebody a broom my which is best i'm going sweep all the negative energy out and they're just kind of going whoosh whoosh they're not doing it you put your passion into it your intention into it it's everything it's everything
1: that's one of my soapbox items is i'm always telling people your intention is
2: good yay go girl <laughs>
1: So I, I like to throw that out to people to see how they react to it. So I'm glad we agree on
2: it. <laughs> Me too. Great minds think alike.
1: <laughs> when when you're thinking of doing a séance or you're getting ready to do a séance, you know it's got all that negative connotation around it. I, I happen to think that the séance rituals and and like Ouija boards and things that, like that are tools, and again, the intention behind them is is really what the driving force is. But what do you do to protect yourself? And protect those that are in the circle with you during the whole session.
2: Okay, I do a lot of things. Um, I I do set up warding. I set up my space. I set up sacred space. And there's lots of ways to do it. People who work with angels call in your angels. I work with. I work with a lot of dragon energy. Call it that. Work with elementals. Call it that. Use the compass. The air, air, fire, water. Whatever it is. I set a, There's a billion ways to do it. But set up your boundaries, and then. Again, it's with intention. What are you allowing in? If we're doing a seance around my dining room and I have different people come, I'm not allowing for anything negative or dark spirits. Again, it's our intention. You know, it's a different thing if I'm on ghost adventures and we're going into a serial killer's house and I I know what I'm doing and I know what I'm not bringing home with me and I allow that in but with regular people, do. No. And I also believe, and I've known this since I was a little kid, that this is our realm of existence. I have firmly always believed that, still do, that we we have control over them because this is our realm. So when you see this stuff like somebody getting overly possessed, blah, blah, blah on TV, they somehow allowed that to happen, not on purpose, but just because maybe they didn't know better or they... that. They gave away their power to fear, to anger, to whatever. Unless you have a severe addiction problem or a severe mental imbalance, this is our realm. Something negative comes in, go, you are not permitted here. In the name of whatever, whoever you believe in, get out. It will. You can't do it with anger because anger will feed a negative spirit. You can't do it with fear. Fear will feed a negative spirit. But as I set up my seance, before anybody gets there, I set up my protectors and wards. I do work elementally, so I call in the east winds and the fires of the south and the waters of the west and the earth the Mother Earth, the grounding of the north in. I work with candlelight. I work with sounds. I, I, every seance, I, it, it's like an apothecary. I am burning very specific herbs and very specific mm-hmm. oils. I've got very specific chimes that I'm doing. I work with Ouija boards. I have the same one I had since I was a kid. I have dozens. I've not had negative experience unless I've allowed that in. (laughs) Um, Again, and even with a Ouija board, they're tools. Like you said, I don't think they should be sold at toy stores. I I think they should have a completely different set of instructions. Oh, gosh, yes. But it's like who you let in. You don't. You only allow in good spirits, light spirits, gentle spirits, whatever you want to say. People get attached to the people within this, relatives. Uh, you don't let anybody in your house, you don't say open your front door and say, anybody come in, you know, serial killers, crazy people. <laughs> you, you don't do that with a Ouija board either. The same thing if you're working with anything else, a pendulum, dowsing rods uh, EMF meters, you know, rempos- it's all the same old school, new school. It's, it's doorways. Just be careful who you let in.
1: It's kind of like talking to myself here, John.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe we're the
1: same person. Whoa. I love it. <laughs> have you, have you had a bad experience? Any bad experiences? You're so positive and upbeat. Um, I'm just curious.
2: <laughs> my crazy, I have my craziest experience. Um, yeah, no, I am positive, again, because I even knew when I was a kid that this was our realm. I One of my crazy, my wilder one, it turned out good, though, but I was, um, it was when I actually had somebody burst into flames. That was interesting.
1: I think I read about that in the book, but you got to tell that story. I was a,
2: yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was a house built by Charlie Chaplin right here in my neighborhood, my neighbor built by Charlie Chaplin was a party house forever. The Rolling Stones lived there. Mamas and Papas lived there. Grandpas parsons then the person who invented the real life blow up sex doll and then marilyn manson for who's my neighbor for seven years lived and recorded (laughs) there and and then it got too dark for Marilyn. Ha. Uh Um, yeah but we're doing a seance there and it was young people and people in around that 18 to 20 year old age have so much life force that things are always going to happen and this one kid and we had four cameras we were filming a documentary about the house and I maybe I didn't make the rules about like it's okay to be skeptical, be open, try to be open, but just be respectful. Whatever you believe. Just, you have to be respectful, but he didn't take that to heart. So, we were starting to say smart, smart allergy things, and first, cool things were happening, like the French doors flew open, and the producer side of me was like, wow, that's like special effects. But of course, not. I won't say. And then that happened again, and then the speakers on the floor came on, ah, this like white noise, wow. and they weren't even plugged in. But then yeah. he kept saying something. <laughs> we're working the Ouija board, and he said something really asinine while we were getting some really important, dark information about something that happened in the ever dirt basement and the cameraman facing him literally burst into flames like angel wings of fire up his back everybody's screaming two cameras caught it literally got it we've got it on film his camera of course didn't and one other camera like hit the ceiling or hit the floor because because i guess you test the middle of a cameraman by their ability of the room bursting into flames <laughs> People are screaming. I became, you know, cool, you know, which medium Patty becomes medic, which I am an EMT. It's like, rock and roll. I'm calling in my guardians. I'm calling in my wards, rolling him on the floor. His shirt burnt off him like it was synthetic. It was a cotton. It should not have burnt off that fast. But I'm like, we're done. Seance done. Shutting it down. Shutting it down. Closing the veil. Um, people are screaming. But the cameraman, instead of being all freaked out, was inspired. Um, a guy I've known for a long time. And he's like, no, I'm okay. I'm really okay. I'm like, you're blistering on your back. He goes, no, I'm okay. I The shirt came off of me. Yeah, I have a sweater. I'm okay. I actually talked to the spirits. They weren't demonic. They were just cranky butt ghosts. You know, mm-hmm. usually it is. Demons get way too much credit. Rarely is a demon's a demon. When it's a demon, you know it. But this was just a cranky ghost who made a statement. <laughs> but the kid got, the, the smart aleck kid got really well behaved. I finished the seance, talked to the spirit. They said we weren't even going to get rid of them after the seance because the people who lived there didn't want to. So it all went well. But the coolest part, I don't if you read that, is um, mm-hmm. after. The the cameraman showed me his back afterwards where it caught on fire, and it literally looked like he had went and got a tattoo of a dragon. Open mouth, the sharp teeth, you know, the winged ear thing into the shape of a serpent. And that's the exact energy I called in to shut down the seance. That's what I I ward with dragon energy. I'm like, Oh my God, that is so cool. You have a tramp stamp of a dragon on your back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I both
1: I both love and shiver at that story when I read that story because it's awesome about the, the whole the dragon scar but I feel bad that the man had to catch fire to get it yeah,
2: I know but he loved it but he wrote he's, he hasn't done it yet but he, he was so inspired by it he actually wrote a film script a horror film script about a psychic a Hollywood psychic you know doing all, the, another, all these reality shows and here's doing another show and then a portal gets opened it's called the portal and then it turns into a typical horror film um, he actually wrote it with Stephen Norrington the guy who wrote the blade series and the league extraordinary gentlemen um they, i hope they choose to do it he got another big film oh, in interim, awesome. but but I, I sat down with him for five hours with that script though and i go you can't say that he goes but you said that i go i know i said that but that's a real opening those sounds you don't want this to be a cursed horror film one of those cursed ones let's just make it a good horror film that we're not going to say things that are going to really affect people so i script doctored the whole thing to make it benign- you know safe
1: Hey, Patty, you're known as the Good Witch and you talk about it a bit in your book and I've seen um, some of the rituals you've done on your YouTube channel which were really, really fascinating. Can you tell <laughs> us a little a little bit about uh, spellcrafting and, and things that people should know just on a high level?
2: Um, Yes. Uh, don't control other people. Keep it about you and your world. Um, meaning, again, the difference of a good spell and a bad spell or a white magic and black magic, though I don't like those those terms, is say you want a love spell, great. I, I want to find the love of my life, great. You could do that spell. There's a billion good ones. You believe it, you're going to make it happen. If you want a love spell on a specific person, that's black magic because you're controlling that person. And that is not worth anything because you could make that person fall in love with you, but what if they really hate you and they're now obsessed with you and now it's a stalker? So it's like... Just don't control anybody else. You create your world, you create your thing. Um, On the psychology side of things, I'm one of those believers in mind, body, spirit. There's 20,000 books written about it, the self-help section, the psychology section, the occult section, the new age section. We understand the the, the mind part. We have to believe it or it's not going to happen. It's going to be easy yep yeah, it is. I can't do it. nope, nope, you can't we and we understand the body. You have to take action. I'm going to eat healthy i I won't eat ice cream every day, but the spirit that's the intangible part to some people that that they don't get, and that's a battery power that makes whatever happen, and you can do it. It, by traditional methods, go to church, go to temple, go to synagogue and pray. Or you can do it by New Age. You could do a vision board. You could do uh, affirmations, or you could do old-fashioned spell working, where you're, whether you're doing a candle, or working with herbs, or working with oils, or working with sounds, or working with sigils, um, puppets and things. Um, but when you have all three, and spell working, actually with leaving alone the mind, body, spirit thing, it's the creation, the working, and the dispatch. So the creation of a spell is, okay, what do I want to do? Again, you could work elementally. You could work spirit-based. There's not a right or wrong, um, but say say you're going to work elementally. Okay, I want maybe a money spell or a job spell, so I mean, maybe I need something with a little bit of fire to put some passion under it, so maybe I'll do a candle. Maybe I need some grounding because I don't keep jobs very often, so I need to put some earth in there. Oh, maybe I'll work with some mugwort or some sage or something. Um, maybe a, it's an emotional thing, so that's the water element. Maybe I'll do some a candle floating on water, so it's it's like you're baking basically you're going to make a pie you're going to make a cake what are the attributes you need for your spell this is the creation part um i do work a lot with moon cycles you could get deep into astrology and planets i usually work with just moons do positive magic we're growing things on the new or the waxing moon you adding money do it while the moon is getting bigger if you want to go on a diet you do it from the full to the waning when the moon is getting smaller i want to lose weight i want to stop smoking i want to stop worrying so much just follow moon cycles that's all the creation of that's part of the mind if you go back to mind body spirit it could be as simple as you want or as complex and i know people who get really complex with their spell working or people think like, ah grab a candle do this do that
1: that's me that second one is me <laughs>
2: Yeah, no, I'm kind of that way, too. I think the longer you do it, the more you do it, the more easy it gets. Like, because I said so, go. Um, <laughs> and then the doing of it, again, that's the body, that's the action, whether you're carving a candle or dressing of this or making a puppet or a, a little mojo bag or creating a spare sigil or something, whatever you're doing. And then the dispatch, the whatever that's sending it up to the universe, again, that's like the the spirit itself um well i do a lot with sound that's when the drumming might come in or i do a lot with uh, ma chants and you're sending over the universe or money here money now money come to me whatever it is you're doing and then you just boom that last big release boom send it to the universe And you've done it. If you, again, put your intent into it, because whatever your intent is, and again, you're working somewhat within the laws of physics most of the time, it's like, no, make me two feet taller. That probably is not going to happen.
1: No, not in a good way anyway.
2: But other than that, we could do miraculous things to really create a life that we want. So again, don't control anybody else. Work within physics. Believe what you're doing. What you put into it is what you get out. And then work with your own truth.
1: I'm going to ask you a very controversial question.
2: <laughs> oh, please do.
1: Um, you talk about basically not trying to, to bend somebody to your own will, right? You talk about... Right. I'm thinking specifically, what do you think about binding spells? Would, would you recommend binding negativity as opposed to a person...
2: Yeah, I yeah, and I'm I'm much more defensive than binding cuz binding you're still attaching to some thing or somebody. Mm-hmm. I I kind of see energy so cords even if you're binding someone, you're in a sense attaching yourself to them. So I am much more the fact you're doing it to the negativity itself. You're doing to the result of what's happening itself. You know, I I'm I won't hesitate too much to freeze out something, protecting sick something in the freezer, or sick whatever, or like my lemon spell. It's like you're not doing it against a person. You're doing the attributes that are sent towards you because you don't want to be any more attached to that. On rare occasion, there may be truly some really heavy-duty binding spell needed, but just know that there is still usually coin to pay.
1: Yeah. Okay, good, because I, I know that gets tossed around a lot, and it's like, Oh, binding spells are evil. No, binding spells are just what you need. And no, they're evil. But it's not the spell itself. It's the object you're concentrating on. Is that the right way to say that?
2: Yeah, exactly. it's, It's what are you binding? Are you binding evil, hate, jealousy? Or are you binding... Betty, you know, (laughs) if you bind Betty, you are now attached and you are now Betty's keeper. And also what I believe is that what that cause and effect action reaction, if you say you do curses, not that you're saying curses, binding spells aren't necessary, but if you live in a world where you curse somebody, that means you have created a world of curses and you Mm -hmm. can be cursed. If you live, that's why I live a very positive light magic world, because that's the world I get to live in. We create the world we live in. And I don't want to, live in a binded world I don't want to be bound I don't want to bind anybody else yes I'll bind hate or evil or whatever but you create the world you live in
1: yeah oh good this is why I love you so much because you are so
2: awesome
1: (laughs) (laughs) I got a little story and you can slap me All right. this is is my public service announcement for anybody listening who's curious about this I had a job when I was young Um, I won't say where but I had a job that I didn't particularly care for the job, and the people I worked with were horrible people, and we'll leave it at that. But this one individual was particularly horrible, and I was young and naive, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to get black salt. I'm going to put it around her office door, (laughs) and she won't be able to take that negativity out of the office. But I didn't think it through all the way because actually what ended up happening is she got fired like two days later. So.
2: (laughs) so she getting the negativity out right so did you have any did you get any coin to that did you get any backlash
1: or not uh well aside from staying in that job for a number of years i don't think so <laughs> having to having to stay in that job for a number of years how about that um, but mm-hmm. i think my mistake then again i was young my mistake then was when i was doing that i wasn't thinking i need this negativity wrapped up and contained it was I need this person wrapped up and contained and I think that that was my fatal flaw on that one because Mm. I certainly didn't want to get her fired I just wanted her to get off my back kind of thing right right so that's my public service announcement on how intention the subtle difference between envisioning the person and envisioning the outcome response emotion fallout whatever you want to call it can make a huge difference yep and, and hopefully you, you don't hate me now because I was a horrible human being for doing oh, no. that.
2: <laughs> no, we all we all learn as we go. We all make mistakes. If we don't make mistakes, that means we're not doing something or we're not doing anything. If you don't, you know, that, that's part of it. And again, even if you do something like that, if your intention, your intention wasn't to get her fired. That's so probably why you didn't get kicked back. No. No, we're all, if you're so afraid of never doing something wrong or making a mistake, you're never going to do anything. That's not living. Um, or even people with magic, like find your own truth. What I was saying is, like, okay, if every book says red is color for passion candle. You want passion candle for you and your lover, you want red. But for you, you know, dark green is passion, then use a dark green candle. Find that, your that's own That's actually truth. my
1: favorite color, so kudos to you.
2: There you go. See, I'm psychic. <laughs> really?
1: I didn't know that. Thanks for sharing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, you did. You're psychic. <laughs> you're killing me here
1: um all right so uh carmen is is pinging me some questions and things and uh first she wants me to tell you that she's a huge fan since first seeing you on ghost adventures
2: oh well thank you
1: <laughs> which is my lead into asking you how did you end up with that particular crew
2: Ah, uh, gosh i don't know divine intervention my first one i think i've done 10 now 10 or 11 if i count deadly the possessions and, um, but it it wasn't. I don't know. I mean, I'd done lots of different TV, and I began been in Hollywood for decades. But it was on the Haunted Hollywood episode. I got a call from the crew. And they said we were do- they were doing the American Legion, and they heard that I had saw the ghost of Charlie Chaplin there. So I said, yeah, I did, because I had done some ghost tours there working with the Hollywood Arts Council, because I do a lot of art charities here in Hollywood, bringing art into schools. And I had done ghost tours at this beautiful old haunted building. So that's the first time, and that was my first episode, Haunted Hollywood, which is the one they did on the Screaming Room last week. Yes. Um and I just said, "Yeah, I felt I saw Charlie Chaplin here and Jack, you didn't know that that was his chair." I go, "No, I didn't know that that was his chair. That's cool." And then I don't know how it turned into a thing. I may I don't I think the second one might have been Black Dahlia, and I think by then maybe they knew my my séance thing. And they called me and No, that wouldn't have been first. They maybe they knew I had been there. Or they called me in to go feel out the room. Then they decided they wanted to have a séance, and that was my second séance at that crazy dark house. That is
1: a crazy house,
2: Salton House. But um, so, and then it just became a thing. <laughs> it just became a thing. I love it. I love to work with those guys because, you know, all the years it was on, and I, I and I made fun of it as much as anybody to an extent because it's like. Who are these big macho guys in their little tight black t shirts who like <laughs> scream like little girls when a pin drop <laughs> But it's because they're hundred and twenty percent committed. It's it's that's exactly what it is. They are like that ten year old kid uh-huh. walking into Disneyland. It's so refreshing to be there with them and see how real it is. And believe me, they will keep they will go to any length to not have me know what's going on. They would keep me locked in the trunk of a car if they had to. I I am left in the van sitting with with the air conditioning on. Okay. Told (laughs) to drive to a location or fly to a location. It's not like, oh yeah, there's two murders here. It's like they will not tell me anything. It's just go in and you tell us what happened. Literally, I'm always scared to death going, what if I don't know? What if I get crickets? Well, I can't be psychic on the bed. What if I just sit there? But again, every place they go is always so vetted and, and so charged. It's like, I've never had an issue not figuring out what's going on or what had gone on at that house.
1: <laughs> I know that Zach likes to lock people by themselves. <laughs>
2: yes, he does.
1: <laughs> Did he ever do that to you? I don't remember that he's ever done that to you.
2: No, he 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 did not. He's not locked me in the place. He on the first Halloween special at the museum, he didn't lock me. But I didn't know anybody else was there. It was a Halloween thing. It was. I think they turned it into called the haunted museum issue. He could come in. He almost blindfolded me, but I said, No, I've been here before. I did the Peggy the Dolls. Oh yeah. So he put me in this, this the gypsy wagon. I just said, Okay. Tell me what's going on here. And again, I'm like, oh, my gosh. But that's when I saw Bloody Mary. It's a girl. It's a woman. It's a little girl. It's a doll. That's when I first met Father Sebastian, who's like my best friend now. It's like there's somebody laying on the floor something with a mirror. And then I had no idea that all of a sudden he goes, well, come with me. Come with me. And I'm just stream of consciousness. And he walks me into this room. With this unassuming, cute little British lady who wanted to kill me—that was my first thing with Lady Snake—and like, oh my God, why does it? I had and I had no idea that that was Ed Gain, the serial killer who ate people's cauldron until oh. I saw it on TV. until I saw it like a month later. I remember like, that. No room. wonder she was going crazy. So again, I I had no idea that she was there, and he did it to me the next year at Halloween too when it was a four-hour live show, which is crazy. Ghosts, ghosts don't know break for commercial. No. When we go, we are got to take a break, <laughs> break for commercial. All the crazy stuff would happen. It wouldn't be on camera. But I, we knew who were there. Everybody, I was there. I was in seventh heaven. I'm there with Chris Fleming and Michael and Marty Perry, and I'm there with Joshua P. Warren, and I'm there with Gary Galka, and Justin, the best of the best. It's like, why am I here? I don't know, but I am loving this. We had no idea Lady Snake was there. They even put her in a different hotel than us, so I wouldn't know. That's how he surprises me. like, Daddy, you don't want to come down to that basement I won't let anybody into. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, Lady Snake's here. It's like, what? How come I've been sitting with everybody else for three days? <laughs> it was great. He likes the shock.
1: He does, yes. Did he let you in the basement? Oh, yeah. Wow. See that means that you are special. Yeah, yeah, it's cra-
2: it's crazy. That's where we uh, that's where we did a the the pentacle on the ground. That's when it was again good bitch versus bad witch, lady snake and me. Uh, it's always always a challenge. Always good.
1: Eee. We we were just at that museum in February.
2: Oh, cool! It's pretty amazing. What'd you think?
1: I, I'm I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> So we, we went in there, and the first thing I said to John is, "We, you, you know how they make you wait in the where the ticket booth is when you first walk in? Yeah. And then they let you in. And that very first room, the one that has the Zaktar.
0: The Zaktar. Uh, yeah, I don't know. The, machine the, the Zoltar <laughs> machine. With Zach in it. Yeah, the Zoltar Zach,
2: yes.
1: yeah. We we weren't in there two seconds, and I told John, I said, we've, we've got to move. There's somebody standing right here and i made a move to the other side of the room and then they had this little SLS thing set up and as soon as i said that and we moved something popped up right in that spot on the SLS and i'm like hey. <laughs> but yeah
2: that's an active place that is an active
1: very active um yeah very
2: active <laughs> And now he just collects anything I, I gave him one thing that was just too haunted for me and I usually can handle stuff like I've got my doll bell because somebody saw me with Peggy and said you can handle bell and send me bell but I had this New Orleans voodoo thing that I had for two years and it was fine then all of a sudden it wasn't fine and I found myself not wanting to be in my office downstairs and And I said, oh, it's this. So I called Zach. I go, hey, I've got this thing. Do you want it? It's too dark for me. And he goes, ooh, send me a picture. (laughs) And he goes, ooh, yeah, that's a... Nail fetish hate God. I that's bad. I want that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm away. Every everybody else is is that's bad, you keep it to yourself. He's like, right. not bring it on. <laughs> so yeah, he put it next to something for Bloody Mary and it started the tour guys has told me that it started acting up the very night I gave it to him because they have a oh, good it's like free reign in the museum.
1: <laughs> I, I've gotta say that haunted, not haunted, whatever, all of that aside a lot of care and thought went into the placement of the artifacts in there and the training of the tour guys, they're fantastic. I mean just as a just as a tour, let's take haunted, not haunted off the table. Just as a tour, the yeah. place was
2: fantastic.
0: Oh yeah. I I yeah, I, I couldn't. 100% agree more. hundred percent agree, yeah.
2: Beautifully Beautifully weird, curated, but... like a museum. A museum mm-hmm. is curated. It's curated. Well. And I think he took so long to Open it because I think there's also energetic protections everywhere. Yes, you're going to feel things, and yes, people pass out, and people get touched, and people get. But I think it's still really ordered and protected to an extent to get you the right amount of whatever.
1: Yeah, my my favorite part, I think, of the whole thing in Peggy's room. <laughs>
2: Ooh, she's naughty.
1: I didn't go in. I couldn't go in the room. I was getting so much energy rolling out the door. It was it was a little overwhelming for me. So I was hanging outside with the tour guide, who also would not go in the room. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> we were standing outside. John went inside, and they had the SB seven. They had an SB seven going, a spirit box going, really, really loud. That yeah. thing was. They love them loud. They love them loud. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah. Um, but they had that going really, really loud, and the guide and I were talking outside, and the spirit box was answering what we were saying to each other. <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't making any sense to any of the questions we were we were posing in the room cuz I was with the rest of the group and it was just like, nah, eh, we we thought we kind of got some random stuff. Uh it turns out <laughs> the conversation going on in the in the hall outside is
1: what <laughs> Pe- Peggy was like, "Hey, that I'm going to join terrible. your conversation." And and yeah, it was it was like, "Yeah, okay. All right." <laughs> fun times, fun times. Um
2: yeah, no she she's great. I, that whole place is great.
1: Yeah, I I was really impressed with it. Uh again, I'm going to leave the haunted not haunted up to individual people however they want to take it. I know yeah. that that we had some experiences there. I was curious about your experiences there because you are wide open. <laughs> you know? uh,
2: yeah, I my my cousin Gary, who's also very intuitive, um he when he was in the demon house room, he was the last person to come out. Something Pushed him out of the room and slammed the door. Now, not a human, but it was a positive thing. He thinks it was one of his guides or protectors, or a positive thing pushing him out of the demon room now and slamming the door. Oh, cool. We every time I've been there, I've experienced something. I just, again, just in the toury thing. Besides, when I'm if I'm doing a séance there, or you know, locked in a gypsy wagon.
1: Uh, <laughs> I can't believe he locked you.
2: in. <laughs> well, I wasn't really locked in, but it's pitch black. You can't really go anywhere. When they say it's pitch black, it's really pitch black.
1: Mm-hmm. There, there was a few stairwells that were pretty dark. I, I yeah. It's it set up in a way you can't really tell if you're going left or right or up
2: or down. No, yeah. I would get lost in there even now. I would totally get lost in there.
1: And the clowns. I could do without the clowns.
0: <laughs> I kind of like
2: the clowns. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, what's up next for you?
2: Um. Well, as the world picks up again post-COVID, my going out and about still starts again. I've got I think my first one up is Virginia City Paracon the first weekend in August, and then I'm going to Dallas to do three day a three day witchy thing of me teaching workshops and séances oh, cool. and galleries in the Dallas area at Miracles of Joy. Then I think I'm doing Virginia City. No, then I'm doing Vulture City Paracon. I'm doing a slaughterhouse tour. Just wait, what? Thing slaughterhouse in Arizona? Yeah, that's gonna be great. Doug Carnahan is producing that, so you guys should come. You want to go. There's a slaughterhouse. Um, and my, my thing is, is my, cause TV is shut down. Yeah. You know, it's starting to pick up now. I think this week it's allowed to still go back, but driving by the studios, it's like a ghost town every day. Oh, how weird. Um, so I don't know when that's, it's so weird. I, yeah. I was just set to start filming with Trevor Moore. Uh um, hmm Comedy Central, I, he's got, I love him. He was from the whitest kids you know way back when, and he's a funny, funny, irreverent comedian, but he's not mean. Like, <laughs> like no, he's mean, very funny. And, but he's great, and he has this talk a new talk show format where I'm kind of like his psychic sidekick. So, again, I get to bring out my old think-fast improv roots, but yet be legitimate, you know, psychic witch patty. So we were we were filming like that next weekend that got shut down and so many people of the Hollywood ilk are afraid to go back to work. Hollywood says you can.
1: I've Seen a lot of them trying to do it through Zoom. The talk shows.
2: Everything's through Zoom. All all the night night shows are through Zoom. My my Witching Hour again, that putting all my passion into that, my little um Witching Hour podcast. It's not it's a Zoom like thing. It's it's radio software, mm-hmm. but yeah it's, we're turning into a virtual world. We're going to be living in the matrix, you know? And So, but I don't know when the TV stuff picks back up. I'm glad the live stuff hopefully does safely, but I don't, I don't know. We'll all see as it happens, if there's a second wave or not.
1: Yeah. Yeah. that That's something that everybody's trying to keep an eye on.
2: Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, you know, but, but again, I think the outcome is going to be good, just sadly at a high price because we didn't get the, Easy lessons because we are stubborn species. A little bit. <laughs> um, we are stubborn species. So the universe kept going, whatever. Okay, try this. Okay, shake us harder. Now I'm going to slap you across upside the head. You know, wake up.
1: It's like an Italian household.
2: <laughs> exactly, wake up. So, anyway, and I, I'm thinking about writing again, but I haven't decided if I want to do a, a kid oriented book for a young adults because, again, I do, I love preteens and teens. I work a lot with them on awesomeness TV and stuff. Or, you know, a kind of a magical positive book for that skill. Or I want to do a cookbook for a girl who can't cook, but I've made it on MasterChef. Yeah, She's teaching magical cooking, but you don't have to have really good cooking skills. Why can't you do both? I can do both, yes. But, you know, it's it's time. Even now, time is getting to get sparse again.
1: (laughs) That's because you're the popular kid.
2: I'm still working on controlling time. You know, I haven't got that magic quite down yet. Working on it.
1: I think, honestly, I think a a book for preteen teen would be absolutely awesome. Because if you think back, um, that's when a lot of kids start wondering about magic. And I'm talking about magic with a K,
2: not
1: Not Las Vegas magic. Not the rabbit out of a hat type. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) not card tricks. Um, That's when they start getting curious about it. But at the same time, they're at that age where they're not going to be outspoken and ask questions. They're just going to try and kind of wing it. And that's never a good idea. (laughs) Well, except for you, right. it worked out right. for you
2: so it would be good to have a simple positive
1: yeah, definitely something i I know when I was young, when I was very young and starting to wonder about that i, I would have found that very helpful I mean I was fortunate i had I was surrounded by people who you were like, oh okay, <laughs> <laughs> you know we we're here we we've been through this too, so we're we're good, but I know a lot of kids don't have that, and they end up making like mistakes and the wrong choices, and
2: right, right, not not knowing. So good to have a guide. Yeah. So yeah, thank you for the inspiration. Maybe I'll that'll put me one foot closer towards sitting back down at my computer.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you, you, one foot. Closer.
1: It, it's a good thing. I swear, it's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Patty, thank you so much for for coming on. um I really appreciate that. Uh, I, I hope you come back. Thank you for having me.
2: You got a great host. I'm sorry your third person wasn't able to do it. Never, I know.
0: have to do it again. Yeah, I'm, I'm beating myself up over that, but uh,
2: <laughs> that, that I is will a get it. lesson
0: learned. I will get it resolved. Just unfortunately not today.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, right. I, I feel bad, Carmen. Sorry, we tried. Hi, we tried Carmen. For two Hi, hours.
2: Carmen. They tried really hard. <laughs>
0: Literally, I'm still trying. Uh, still I have trying. not stopped messing with this computer to try to figure out what which is why I've been so quiet. I'm sorry.
2: Uh, oh, you're perfect. You guys are great. Great couple, great team.
0: Really, really enjoyed having you on, and thank you for opening up and sharing uh, all that about your your past and your uh, activities and stuff i've I've been just riveted <laughs> the whole time.
2: <laughs> well, thank you for this opportunity. My best to you guys and all your listeners. and thanks for tuning in.
1: And come back and talk magic with us sometime.
2: I would be happy to.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Patty. You have a good day.
2: You too. Bye-bye.